This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast on July 27th, 2022. Tonight we're discussing that training camp is around the corner. So we're going to dive into the season. suspicious if everything went perfectly smoothly in our first podcast after eight months of being off the air i thought it went great Cheers. thank you dave i mean thank my you. my microphone's a little low to the ground well you can hunch all night long or adjust that while i introduce you i don't want to hunch, hunch. okay <laughs> well this is the fantasy finish line podcast i am joined as always by my co-host mr david biggs my name is jason i am here to help dave discuss the top 10 rookies and uh the top 10 adp players for this month uh or this season and um obviously one of us is uh, uh still playing back the audio but i'm certain it's not me it's either us or some some innocent bystander upstairs or something An innocent bystanders not so innocent in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> anyways yes tonight we are going to discuss um, the top 10 rookies based on Dave's drink5.com rankings. Uh, this is sort of uh, top 10 based on uh, a dynasty style ranking, but rookies only and uh, the top 10 guys who are going to be skill players that we're going to be looking at for this fantasy season. We're also going to look at the top 10 overall players by ADP to discuss if they're boom or bust, whether they're actually worth it at their current draft position. Do we consider them overrated or underrated? What's changed in their position? So if you haven't done much to dive into the fantasy season yet this year, we have you covered. Um, I am really looking forward to uh, really getting into the podcast season right now. So Dave, um, we always start by discussing what we're drinking. So I'll start with that. I Good. think I have, need to, a moment. I have to adjust them. <laughs> so uh, I picked up a variety pack of the two brothers IPAs and it is the bitter end pale ale that I am sampling right now. We also earlier enjoyed the 25th anniversary double IPA uh, to crack open in a little while. I've got the resistance India pale ale. Dave also has a bitter end. And what's the, is that a brown fox you got over there? Good looking beers. So two brothers brown fox session ale, the bitter end, two brothers pale ale, and I'm drinking a Samuel Adams Wicked Easy. Uh, all good beers for, for East the Coast summer, friends. and uh, also for the East Coast friends. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for for Sam Adams. So uh, we have some some good beers that are not too heavy. I think uh, for uh, for our first podcast of the season. Yeah, we'll we'll ease our way into it. We'll wait till it gets cold out to dive into like the thirteen percent stouts and things like that. Yeah, but, but it's rest happening. assured, we will be there. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this year, what you can expect from us, we will be back on Wednesday nights doing podcasts. We will probably not do every week uh, at first, but once the season starts, you can look for us here every Wednesday at nine p.m. We are broadcasting on YouTube live, so please make sure that you uh, like the stream that you subscribe to us we um we thrive on subscribes so we really appreciate that if you can uh, do that for us we will also have our website drink5.com where dave updates his rankings uh every week throughout the week uh once the season starts he also has 
preseason rankings up right now for you to look at. Draft season's right around the corner, so you're going to need to start doing some homework, folks. We will also have the regular stuff we do every year. Sean Foss doing our rookie report. Mr. Tad Bukowski doing our um, confidence pool. I will be writing my weekly column. Um, I can't even think of the name of my column right now. It's, but I just talk about five different fun statistics. Statistically insignificant. Thank you so much, Dave. Oh, it's yeah. a tongue twister on purpose, and it twisted my brain up a little bit, so I suppose it's doing its job. <laughs> Um, and much more to come. If you're interested in contributing, uh, shoot us an email at Dave at drink5.com or Jason at drink5.com or jump in the chat here uh, during the stream and just chat us up. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to have uh, more people on board. So, yeah, slip um, into Jason's DMs. He, he likes that sort of thing. Right into the DMs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're also on Twitter at drink5. We are on, I believe, the Instagram and... I assume it's at Drink Five there, um, this, and this guy's social media, Facebook.com slash Drink Five. Yeah, just look for Drink Five on all of your uh, neighborhood social. Yeah, channels. and when Google says, "Did you mean Drink Space Five? Say no, no, no. I meant Drink Five, one word. We got it. We got to get Google to understand that that's a real thing. Good luck. Well, they're moving in in Chicago, so I can go down and uh... they have a large presence in Fulton Market. But yes, they just bought the Thompson Center, mm. which is a very cool building downtown. Yeah, so I can go down there, knock on the door, and they can be like, "We don't need you to come talk to us. <laughs> you, you have nothing to offer us, really." I said, "All right, we'll try our best." All right. <laughs> hey, we do a weekly podcast. You, we're important. You should listen to us. It's a unique snowflake. <laughs> Among internet goers. Okay, yeah. so um, introducing the rookies here. Uh, sh- should we take a short break for uh, a beverage before we start the rookies, Dave? Yeah, Do you have anything great. else you want to introduce as we get into the season here? No, not at all. I want to get into the content. Um, certainly, let's have a sip of our drinks, etc. But, but like you said, the idea is uh, to go over some of the top-ranked rookies and the top ADP redraft selections and we're just going to talk about them and and give our opinions on those players and um that's that's about it for right now it's it's still july right so we're in inch- july we're inching into august which is when people start having their drafts and i know most people if they're only in a league or two are going to do all their drafts the first week of september i totally understand that but once you start getting into four or five, six leagues, then they have to be spread out because you only have limited time uh, <laughs> to be able to do those things. This is true. And so then you end up having drafts like we do um, throughout the month of August, and you have to be very particular about what's going on at this certain time. Um, and, yeah. and so we're They're going to come fast, certainly, in the month of August. Did you know, Dave, that we are eight days away from the first preseason game? No, but the first preseason game, uh, I, I tend to not watch. It's the Raiders and the Jaguars. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't understand the point of that existing in the first place. Well, But you, I also don't want to offend uh, Tad too much. So You can make fun of the Raiders. Raiders and Jaguars. Make fun of the Raiders all you want, but I think uh, they're going to prove you wrong this year. I believe I own a Cecil Shorts jersey somewhere. So, you know. So you're rooting for the Let's Jaguars. Let's go Jaguars. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into the rookies. So number one rookie, and these are my rankings, is Brees Hall, uh, and he is a running back from the New York Jets. He was selected as the 36th pick overall and the first running back drafted in the 2022 rookie draft. He's a workhorse-type running back that should take over 50% of the team's workload this year, and that transition should happen really quickly, if not immediately. And 
I'm sorry to all Michael Carter fans, and I actually like Michael Carter, but he was he was never drafted to be the permanent fixture in that offense. He anyway. sounds like a sci-fi character. <laughs> um, of all the running backs from this class, Hall has the clearest path to finishing as a top 10 scorer. And during his three years when he was at Iowa State, he was a great pass catcher too. So in 2021, he caught 36 balls for 302 yards and three touchdowns. The Jets running back group, Meanwhile, had a total of 15 drops recorded in the 2021 season in totality. That's more than any other group of running backs in the league. He also has been praised for his pass protection ability, and he should enter the NFL as an average to above average pass blocker. Okay. A lot of times when you get a rookie running back, they come in and um, they'll, they'll, they'll put him into limited snaps, mostly because uh, even if they are performing really well, if they have high yards per carry, et cetera, uh, if, as lo- if they're not good at pass protection, then they're not doing what they need to be doing to protect the team's quarterback. And that's a huge deal. Right. And they have a rookie quarterback. Well, not a rookie anymore, but Zach Wilson was a rookie last year. Sure, yes. That didn't help anybody. So, um, I mean, the Jets running backs, again, they allowed 15 pressures last season, four of which were sacks. So both of those stats – uh, tying for second most at the position. And, like, their their, their running back group last year, uh, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, LaMichael Pirine, not anything to write home for. So this is a huge upgrade for them. And uh, he's a big play running back for Iowa State. He maximizes good blocking to create really big plays. He had three rushes over 70-plus yards last year and uh, six total over his college career. Uh, PFF rates the Jets' offensive line at number 13 this season, which is pretty good. And actually, you could argue that they're even better than that, but they have some new people at the position, and that's why they kind of get knocked down a couple of rungs. Sure. Um, but this proves all this stuff, uh, that there's going to be opportunities created for Hall this year. Uh, the Jets got the guy that they were looking for, the guy to take over that backfield, and he should put up RB1 numbers from early on in the season. Week one against the Ravens is going to be a little difficult for them, though, uh, because the Ravens last year, uh, they allowed the least amount of yards to running backs on opposing teams. That said, it doesn't really matter what defense he faces because he's going to be put out there, he's going to be given the opportunities, and that's the guy you want if you're drafting a rookie. So if we talk about it from a dynasty perspective, this is a guy who's going to become, uh, at least in theory, 70-80% you know, an RB1 for three years, right? Uh, But if you're in a redraft league, here's a guy that you can draft to immediately be an RB2 that could grow into RB1 numbers possibly by the end of the year, depending on how everything works with the Jets offense, with their offensive line, uh, and and with um, uh, him as far as his health. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like what Robert Sala was able to do with the Jets last year, even though, like, look, they showed some life and a little bit of promise, which is more than you could say for the last, I don't know, 10 years since they had Mark Sanchez. <laughs> so, yeah, um, not, not you know, for once the, the Jets arrow is either level or pointed slightly up, maybe 10 degrees up. Um, so I, I can get behind this. I, I really like the fact that they drafted um, skill players aggressively early in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we'll talk about um, Garrett Wilson as well in a little bit, uh, who they drafted. But uh, 
jumping into your number two overall player, is, uh, number two rookie, that is, is Drake London. Uh, his ECR is, in a rookie spot is number two as well. He's a wide receiver for Atlanta. So he was taken by the Falcons with the eighth overall pick in this year's draft. He was the first fantasy or skill player taken, wide receiver, you know, somebody other than a lineman or a defensive player. So he's got a great chance to make an impact as a rookie, but it's going to be limited by the fact that the Falcons are rebuilding. Uh, they are returning wide receivers that only had 31 receptions from last year, and all of those wide receivers are named Olamide Zacchaeus. Did I get that right? That's uh, plural? I'm going to be ru- Well, I mean, there's only one of him. <laughs> yes, it was it was purposely plural before his name, but there is only one Zacchaeus. Uh, yeah, so Zac- Zacchaeus. It's not Zacchaeus. Yeah. Yes. Um, Zacchaeus is. So what I'm saying is that <laughs> they basically have an entirely new wide receiver group. He's going to slot in as a wide receiver one pretty early, basically at the start of the season, but he's going to have to fight Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson for touches. Those are the two guys that the offense runs through at, at the moment. Last year, he averaged 14.8 targets per game at USC, and Drake and the Falcons are going to be limited because, look, Marcus Mariota is the quarterback. I don't think that he is the long-term solution there. It seems to me like the Falcons are going to do one more year of not winning games so that they can have another high draft pick next year and draft a quarterback next year. Um, I don't remember the names in the quarterback class, but I believe that it is thought to be much better than what was available this year. So I do think that the Falcons are going to have a down year. When it comes to dynasty rankings, though, Drake London is like far and away the most talented wide receiver in this draft. One, I think Drake and the Falcons is a great name for like a teen band. Uh, two, oh, I think okay. like I, they're gonna play at the mall. Yeah, okay. They're clearly playing in the mall, like like maybe a mall that is about to go under. Like like not Woodfield Mall or Mall of America, but like you know we're talking like Stratford Square. Yeah. So <laughs> those of you in Chicagoland, <laughs> the mall where a third, I'm just picking an an obscure sounding name. The mall where a third of the stores are closed and yeah. it's not looking good. Spring Hill yeah. Mall, you know, somewhere these, that these, they've had to open a grocery store in order to keep it open. These things are happening. And and two, I still don't understand how people can say things like uh, the quarterback class will be better in this future year. I get that maybe talent is uh, is is possibly better hypothetically, but I think it, it like never works out that way. You know, we're in gonna, the end, when you look at it years later, well, I guess what we're going to find out that like Matt Coral is you know the next Tom Brady, and <laughs> and all the guys all the guys next year end up being Marcus Mariota's, but. Marcus Mariota drafted second overall. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong there. What what I guess I'm saying is there are some years when there are two or three quarterbacks taken in the top five picks. And there are some years like this year where the first quarterback taken was in the end of the first round and the only quarterback taken in the first round. Got it. So I do believe next year is going to be one of those years closer to the fact where you're going to see a couple of guys go early. And I the, the Falcons got to be one of those teams that are eyeing that already because with Mariota, uh, there, there's not much they can do unless he far exceeds expectations. They have to go with a drafted quarterback next year. Yep. So any other thoughts on Drake London? I, you know, I, I'm not thrilled on him this year. There are other rookies who are more hyped on for their rookie season, but Drake London, I'm interested to see how he does. And if he can play well with a, mediocre quarterback then you know if they can find him a good quarterback that'll be exciting yeah i agree uh 
Ken Walker the third is a running back for Seattle. He was drafted with the 41st overall pick from Michigan State. Chris Carson retired from the NFL yesterday, not officially because he hasn't filed papers, but he was released from the Seattle Seahawks uh, with an injury release. And last year in December, he he underwent neck fusion surgery. And so uh, it was it was likely after that injury occurred and, and there was subsequent surgery that he, he wasn't going to play any further in the NFL. Lots of speculation about that, but um, it looks like that might actually come to pass. And what that means is that the running back depth chart in Seattle has Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker firmly entrenched at the top. There are other people there. Um, there there's Travis Homer. There's um, uh, a couple other guys that I can think of. But the number one and two guys are Penny and Walker. Um, the Without Russell Wilson there, the, his dual threat abilities, which limited the options for defenders, and also considering their league-worst offensive line. So, again, PFF... Yes. Uh, rates the offensive line doesn't mean they're right, but um, they're they're going off. I don't of, think they wrote thirty-two. They just had a picture of a dumpster on fire. That's right. So again, Seattle Seattle got some new players uh, to throw onto that line, but it certainly doesn't mean that they're going to be good. Uh, in fact, we think that they're not. <laughs> but it's a pretty safe prediction. But even low-scoring teams have to start some kind of offense, and whether that offense is led by Geno Smith led by Drew Locke or led by Jimmy Garoppolo because there are trade rumors still going around that Seattle could pick up Jimmy. Uh-huh. It'll be a primarily rushing offense that Coach Pete Carroll uh, puts into effect, and he's been doing that for years now. I like that you point that out. Like, Despite being what could be the worst offense in the league, they have to start someone, and that someone is going to be gaining fantasy points. Yeah. And like in those cases, you're probably more likely to start the rookies just to see what you got. And to, you know, because the the veterans clearly aren't working. Well, Penny was pretty amazing at the end of last year, and I'll get into that a little bit. And it only took four years to get there. Well, (laughs) Walker led the nation. I'm just salty about Penny because of dynasty teams. Walker led the nation last year with over 1,000 yards after contact. That's an interesting stat. Uh, And he could absolutely end up as the primary back in (sighs) Seattle. But it's only likely to happen if Rashad Penny is unable to maintain that position as the starter. So let's... Keep in mind that Penny led all running backs in production over the last stretch of 2021. He ran for over 700 yards in the last six games. There have been a lot of injury concerns and other issues that have kept him off the field over the past couple years during his rookie contract. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. Uh, But also they had Chris Carson, who was a bruising running back that they had there as the number one guy, and they didn't need to worry about uh, bringing another guy in uh, at that time. Now, uh, he signed a one-year contract, Penny did, earlier this year to keep him with the Seahawks through uh, 2022, and he'll be a free agent in 2023. So all of this uh, ends up meaning that it's reasonable to project, at least for me, that whoever the starter in Seattle is will have at least low-end RB2 value based on the volume that Pete Carroll is going to run the rushing offense on, regardless of how bad the offensive line is. And that it could be Walker that ends up closing the year with that title. It's going to start as Penny. And if Penny is as good as he was at the end of last year, or at least close to that, he's going to remain the starter. Yeah. But uh, the Seattle offense always mixes in their guys. So if you draft Ken Walker as part of your redraft squad, you you run the risk of, of having him be one of those guys that is not good enough to start for the first six, seven eight weeks of the season and then you drop him 
and then and then he wins someone the league. That sounds like what happened with a lot of Rashad Penny owners for a long time. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's difficult. It's uh, it's chaotic a little bit. Uh, but keep in mind that if Penny does have injuries that come up like they have in the past, then Kenneth Walker is the number one guy there no matter what. And whoever is the running back with Seattle is going to have the volume to be that RB2 or 3 at the very least, which is going to be valuable for your team. So it really depends on where Ken Walker goes in your redraft. If he's going to go high because of his position as a high-end rookie, then it's not likely that you should draft him. I agree. If you're being smart. But if he falls till later, or if he ends up being drafted by someone else, he's someone to watch because he is a player that in the second half of the season could come on to become someone uh, who is ends up being a top 30 running back. So do you know where he's going in redrafts right now? No, I don't have the F uh, the ADPs up currently. Um, I, I only asked you to buy me like a second or two while I pulled it up. So here we go. Walker, ninety one, RB thirty five. Yeah, so so it's it's a little so early high tenth round to be, be a beginning draft pick. Oh, way too high. Yeah, and and I I would prefer to get him probably more around like. Um, around like 50, 55, 60, and that's not going to happen. Someone's going to scoop him up because he's a he's a high rookie. That's, uh, that's You mean as a running back? Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say his ADP is 91. No, you're talking about running back ADP. Running back ADP is 35. Yeah. And and so what I'm saying is Penny is the starter right now. It would be silly to scoop up Rasha, uh, uh, Ken as, as like your RB3. Agreed. Because he's not going to produce as much from the beginning weeks as you would like him to. I totally agree. Like, if you can get him as an RB5 on your team, right? like as the last running back on your team, great. Or um, you could just wait till someone drops him or, or wait till he, gets he doesn't have a lot of production in the first couple of games and then trade for him for someone who's, you know. Yeah. When the yeah. Seahawks are one in five, <laughs> you know, and, you know, they're not going to be good. Done anything and someone drops him. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver for the Jets. His ECR is four. He was the second fantasy player off the board this year. He was number 10th overall to the Jets. So he was actually drafted ahead of Brees Hall, but obviously Brees Hall has way more fantasy value. Mm -hmm. Wilson came from the Ohio State team that was filled with elite talent. His cremate, Chris uh, Olave, or Olave? How how are we going to pronounce that? It's it's Chris Olave. Olave. And we'll talk about him in a little bit. He went right after uh, Garrett Wilson at pick number 11 anyways um in new york now uh he's not going to have the same advantage that drake london will have will have that i talked about earlier in that garrett wilson's going to be returning to a room with a bunch of talent the jets have elijah moore leading the way along with other wide receivers those guys combined for 130 receptions that'll be returning to the team so wilson's going to be brought along slowly uh he's more likely to shine later in the year if he is to shine at all in his rookie season and it remains to be seen if Zach Wilson can be an elite quarterback and support multiple legitimate fantasy threats. Um, fortunately, we know Garrett Wilson can put up big numbers on a team with other elite talent around him. He was able to do that in Ohio State. He's able to shine. He's one of those players that does really well when there are other good players around him. And he will have that playing opposite Elijah Moore, and it's likely that he won't even be starting uh, to begin the season. So you're going to see Garrett Wilson later in the year. You're going to see him sprinkled in probably in three wide receiver sets, which I don't think we'll see too often uh, early on, but we'll, we'll see it. He'll get on the field. I'm looking forward to Garrett Wilson. 
uh, is, is sort of a later season pick. I don't know if he's someone that you want to be um, drafting. So he's the WR 45 right now. This is ADP. I don't uh, particularly care for that. I wouldn't want him as my first backup wide receiver or even second backup wide receiver. Well, remember that these rookies are going to be drafted. And and so the, the question is when and, like, where on your team is that going to happen? Yeah, There are rookies that we like for this year, uh, but the last two we've talked about are not guys who are going to have much of an impact early on, we think. Yep. Um, let's go with uh, the guy that Jason drafted in both of his dynasty leagues. <sighs> Why, why are you sighing? He's fine. He's, I know. I feel seen. Gonna be fine. I feel I feel called out. Oh, my God. He feels seen. Look, I wish he was on a better team. That's all. And seen. So, uh, Traylon Burks, uh, wide receiver, Tennessee. Better team. I mean, I feel like they're, they're definitely opening up those those outside routes, having Derrick Henry, uh, you know, running the ball like Look, crazy. There is there is something that you, I believe, are going to bring up that makes me very encouraged about him. Well, here's, so let's get to this. The ECR is is at three. I have him at five, right? That's and, not the part I'm talking about. Well, no, <laughs> but the, the point is uh, the, the expert consensus ranking, a lot of people are ranking Burks really high. And the reason is because he's come in to replace A.J. Brown almost directly, but that's not what's going to actually happen. Uh, I know, but not right away. But let's, let's, let's talk about it, yeah. Uh, the number 18 overall pick in the draft, he's already been put through the ringer by sports media. They like that stuff. I understand. Um, you know, it's it's fun for them. Here are the important things to remember about Burks. So, number one, the Titans traded A.J. Brown because they could draft Burks. Now, uh, is this what makes you happy? Yes. Great. Absolutely. So, uh, they, had the, they, they identified A.J. Brown and they drafted him and they said, okay, here's another A.J. Brown that we can have. We don't even need A.J. Brown. Like, I... You know, so it's I need cr- to rely on that talent. It's and that talent scouting. It's a little crazy to ditch a guy like AJ Brown to think that you have another one, but it's a similar kind of play. It is, but it inspires me with perhaps unnecessary <laughs> confidence. So but I'll take it. Uh, they were already sold on him, yeah. And number two, there was a lot of noise over the past several weeks about issues with asthma and conditioning. Um, as always, the reports of things that occur throughout uh, pre-training camp that that occur when, when people have gotten together for little practices and things um, are not always as they seem. And uh, the latest reports are already talking about big plays during practice, and there have been no issues with the condition, conditioning tests that he's gone through leading up to training camp. Uh, he's 6'2", 220. He makes acrobatic catches. Uh, look at some footage on, on Traylon Burks if you haven't already. Uh, he is a, a big-bodied receiver that can come up with a contested catch he can uh, dance around and grab something with one hand on the edge while he's laying on his side. He's that kind of a receiver. And he has comparisons to A.J. Brown and Mike Evans. And so those are the kinds of guys that you want. That's the reason why the Titans drafted him. But he does have some work to do as far as, uh, as being a, a good NFL football player, you know, getting into their system and yes. their offensive play style. Absolutely. He put up over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns last year for Arkansas, so that accounted for the majority of their offense. Uh, It seems likely to me that Burks is going to be selected too early in redraft leagues, which is why I have him two notches down from where the expert consensus ranking in Fantasy Pros does. And it may take him some time to get up to speed, like I mentioned. The recently acquired Robert Woods, 
uh, from the Rams is likely to suck up the majority of the targets, at least for this season. Oh, he's definitely the most talented receiver on the team right now. That's why they got him. Yeah. Right. So, so they kind of have the contingency plan uh-huh. in uh, Bobby Trees to to suck up a lot of those That's passes. Right. And Derrick Henry and the ground game should continue to be the team's focal point. But don't be afraid of Traylon Burks. The question is just, will he be good this year? And I would not draft him in redraft this year. So he's, yeah. he's going to go too high. And, and that, that's why I have him down a little bit lower. So wherever he is in ADP currently, I would not take him at that point. These are things you should star when you're going to your draft. And you're like, you know, Traylon Burks. Uh, He's Kenneth wide Walker, receiver 38 for his ADP right now. Kenneth Walker, like these guys, they have the ability to be top 30. Both of them do, but I don't think they will this year. You know what's funny? I notice you you mentioned Burks is a big-bodied receiver, 6'2", 220. Um, you look at the running back on his team, 6'3", 247. No, that's that's <laughs> just Derrick Henry. There's no, there's no body like Derrick Henry. Yep, no body. Moving down our rookie list, uh, and again, this is the list of uh, the rookies that Dave has ranked. It is available exclusively on drink5.com. He is one of the experts on Fantasy Pros, if that's a place you frequent, so you can include him in your mix of uh, experts. But if you want to see just Dave's rankings, you got to go to drink5.com to see that. What I would always recommend to people, by the way, is fantasypros.com is a great resource but you have to you have to screw with the settings that they have there. Yes, you should always be looking uh, based on how accurate the experts are and how recent the rankings are. Yes, so you can go in there and you can set it and you can say. And you are definitely one of the more accurate experts as they rank it every single day. Yeah, week. sure. Well, maybe like top fifty out of two hundred, and and it's that's it's, pretty good. But but I'm saying uh, you should look at people who have updated within the last week, and that are in like that top quarter or or even less than that. Because the default ranking system might put some people in there that are like ranked 200 out of 200, <laughs> and you don't, you probably don't want that guy's <laughs> wide receiver rankings. That guy's an expert. <laughs> so uh, number six is Jamison Williams. Uh, I wish we had a shot for for Mr. Jamison here. Maybe we do. Okay, uh, Jamison Williams, wide receiver in Detroit. His ECR is six. To uh, your left, and that's what he's got. Hey, look at that. To Jameson. <laughs> you know, occasionally the first podcast of the year is going to have a snag or two, but as long as we're having fun, that's what really matters. That's not a snag. No, it's not. It's a bonus. A shot Let's for the honest. shot, yes. To Jameson Williams. <sighs> Cheers. Somewhere. So am I right Our in friend thinking... who is a Lions fan is drinking with us. Am I right in thinking that uh, some of these guys – uh, having not done quite as much research as I have, being that I did the rankings, you know, a few weeks ago, um, uh, were a surprise to you uh, as far as their backgrounds and where, where they were brought into um, and how good they might be in the future. Yes. So um, I, I will freely admit to relying on other people's research to do my dynasty drafts this year because I was just not ready to do uh, research in June or or early July as our drafts took place. However, um, I was really impressed with what I read about Jamison Williams mm-hmm. and a couple of the guys who I will be talking about uh, very soon. But Jamison uh, was picked 12th overall by the Lions, and he was picked 12th overall even though he tore his ACL in the championship game back in January. So he's a big play guy who had the fifth most receiving yards in the nation last year. And when you look at the top receiving stats for college football, it's like 
Northwest Kentucky State is the number one guy because he's the only thing they have in the offense. Mm -hmm. And then there's a couple other guys from random state schools. But Jameson Williams was probably um, the the number one guy listed from a big school. He went to Alabama, I believe, right? Um, yeah, because he was on the losing team in the playoff championship. <laughs> Anyways, he's a really big play guy. He had 79 catches for 1,572 yards, 15 touchdowns last year. When I look at these wide receivers who are the best of the best, if they can do 80 catches a game a, a year, which means a roughly a five per catch, five catch per game average, and 1600 yards, which means almost 20 yards per catch, 15 touchdowns. He played 15 games, so he's basically averaging five for 100 and a touchdown every single game throughout the year. Granted, that's college, and he played on one of the best teams in college, but you still have to be a good player to put up stats like that. So I like where he's going in Detroit because he's going to be able to sort of bring up what has developed into a solid wide receiver group. Last year, Amon Ross St. Brown was like the third best wide receiver in the second half of the year. He was a top threat. He was very impressive, despite the fact that Jared Goff is their quarterback. Goff has not shown any aptitude for throwing the deep ball. And I'm about to throw a lot of shade on Goff and that's only to show that these guys can be good despite this. So if they can improve their quarterback, all the better for them. So Goff was 27th among 33 qualifiers for yards per attempt, only 6.6 yards. Dead last among qualifiers for intended air yards per attempt at 6.4. To translate that, that means the average depth of target. So on average, when he threw the ball, it only traveled 6.4 yards in the air. Like, I can throw the ball 6.4 yards through the air. Sure. Like, I can't do anything that Aaron Rodgers can do, but I can do what Jared Goff does. Did you see Aaron Rodgers come to uh, training camp like Nicolas Cage? No, but I like that he uh, made another crack uh, (laughs) about Alan Lazard in response to Devontae Adams. Have you seen Con Air? Yes, I have seen Connor. So, oh, that's what he looked like. So he came in like a, <laughs> he came in like the, the like the wife beater, yeah, with the, the jeans and like the long hair and a big mustache. The, well, he's had the mustache a while now. Is he someone? Someone close to him must have been like, you should go as is Nick Cage. Is he but, like literally just cosplaying at this point? Look it up when you're done with this player, but he looks exactly like Nick. You Cage. should you should put that on the screen. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's amazing. It's fantastic. Okay, um, so (laughs) the point that I was getting at with Jared Goff is that he does not throw the ball down the field. So Williams is going to need to make the big plays by breaking away after the catch. So I like the landing spot, but he's not going to be the sole focus. I'm sorry. I like the landing spot because he's not going to be the sole focus of the defense when he's on the field. They've got Amon Ross St. Brown to worry about, um, and the sun god is very bright. So the Lions really need an upgrade at quarterback in order to get the most out of their wide receivers. However, you know that's not going to happen right away. I don't expect Williams to have an early season impact due to his ACL tear, obviously. He isn't expected back until October at the earliest. Don't even bother drafting him. The other guys we're talking about, they're going to be drafted too early. Don't even bother drafting this guy. What he's going to be is a candidate for a late season breakout, a good waiver wire pickup maybe in late October, early November sort of thing once he... Uh, makes his way onto the field. Uh, I don't recommend drafting him unless you're in like a very deep redraft league. Obviously, when it comes to Dynasty, that's a different story. Sixth overall uh, for rookies, I agree with you in that case. But uh, looking up, uh, he's the WR58 currently in ADP. Uh, For redrafts, I feel like that's even too high. So, um, Jameson Williams, I'm sure that we'll hear a lot 
uh, from our friends who are Lions fans. Uh, but uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do. If they have St. Brown and Williams performing at a high level at some point late in the year or next year, uh, the Lions could be you know, a team like the Jets who are finally leveling out and starting to get a little better. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, Eventually, these really bad teams got to play well for at least a little while, right? Yeah, no, they don't have to. They don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't have to. Um, well, let's look at Chris Olave. So, wide receiver, New Orleans, ECR of seven, and I have it matched on on seven for my ranking for him. He's out of Ohio State, chosen eleventh overall by the New Orleans Saints. Now they traded picks ninety eight, one hundred one, one hundred and twenty, a twenty twenty three first rounder, and a twenty twenty four second rounder, all to select Olave. Uh, so it's clear that they at least like the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not a receiver that gets a lot of yards after the catch. That's always been kind of a dump on him. But he has a sub 4-4, 40-yard dash speed. Uh, he's good size at six foot 185 and been considered to be the best pure route runner in this class of wide receivers. So who does that remind me of? guy like Antonio Brown. It's an Antonio Brown-ish kind of a character. Interesting. Who's going to be... Let's hope it doesn't actually remind you of his character. Yeah, well, as long as he was on the Steelers, he was fantastic. <laughs> if the Saints get him good for five years and then move on from him, then they're good, you know. Uh, but, but you're right. Uh, the character hopefully doesn't doesn't move on. Yes. But but yeah, so this is a guy who's going to be a pure route runner. He's, a, he's, he's fast, uh, but not the fastest. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of yards after catch, but he's always good at catching that ball and making that move and getting down. Okay. And that's great especially for uh, a New Orleans Saints that has had some question marks at the receiver position after Michael Thomas has had a little stumble and fall with his with his health and his uh, yeah, like two years of his preparation now. and his motivation and being a wide receiver in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he finished his college career, Olave did, as the Big Ten's fourth leading touchdown receiver of all time. Looking at the latest footage of Michael Thomas back at practice, which just happened today, and seeing the Saints acquire veteran slot receiver Jarvis Landry earlier this year, it does put a damper on the hopes that Olave could become a primary target in this offense for 2022, but that's okay. So he should be looked at as a wide receiver 2-3 in an unpredictable offense. Let's talk about that. The, the main issue here is you have a new coach. You have uh, a quarterback that only played for a couple games last year before getting injured. Um, Taysom Hill ended up being the quarterback for most of the year, <laughs> which which has no bearing on any kind of reality. Um, so with Jameis Winston, with uh, Alvin Kamara, with three great wide receivers, hypothetically, uh, on their roster, they could become a, a good football team, a well-rounded football team. they got a good defense. It just has to actually happen. And that really is going to depend on the management, the coaching staff, and how they're able to run the team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he should be more of a late-season impactor based on the fact that Michael Thomas looks like he's going to start the season. We don't actually know that yet. We're going to know that in a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, we don't know much yet. We do know that Jarvis Landry should be a good uh, focus of that offense as a slot receiver for the Saints for Jameis Winston. But if all three receivers are healthy and playing, that's a lot of people for Jameis Winston to throw the ball to. And what do we know that Jameis Winston is good at? Throwing the ball. Yeah, he's good at throwing the ball. Yeah. So 
I mean, and, and he fixed his eyes, as you pointed out. He did. He had uh, LASIK eye surgery. Apparently, uh, he never told anyone that he couldn't read things that were a little bit far away. <laughs> so, like receivers and coverage. <laughs> so maybe he didn't understand the colors, uh, depending on the team. Of the other team. Yeah. It's like I said earlier today, offline. I know that he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. I don't know what team he's going to throw it to. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, he may lead the league in pick sixes, but if he throws 40 touchdowns for the Saints, that's a ton of fantasy points for your wide receivers. Right. I mean, he's been arguably one of the best quarterbacks of the season before for a team. I so. just hope that they don't – with Sean Payton gone, I hope that they don't keep trying to pull Taysom Hill in as like, all right, we're at the goal line. We're going to put Taysom Hill in for no reason. Well, he's a gadget player, and he'll, he's, he's been training to be their tight end this year. Okay, that's and, fine. And they said that they will still put him in at quarterback But sometimes. stop vulturing all the points from everyone. Well, I don't think the coach cares about your fantasy opinions. I know. We need Austin Eckler. But I will say... Who cares about fantasy football. That it's, 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 pretty, um, it, it's pretty likely that the new coach is not going to do uh, as much with Taysom Hill as Sean did uh so yeah if, if thomas and landry are not up to snuff early on alave will immediately uh slide in as a as a solid wr2 for the saints but i think it's more likely that he'll start as the wr2 slash three kind of uh tying in targets or being a little behind landry uh and this is another one of those people that needs to work his way up but if michael thomas is not able to play this year or lands on the pup list or has motivational problems or whatever uh, we may see Olave end up as a top 25 receiver because he has the ability to catch those passes and Winston is going to throw them. Let's move on to uh, Green Bay. So this one was very interesting uh, when I was learning about him. Christian Watson, wide receiver for Green Bay. His ECR is 9. You've got him ranked at 8, so that's a, a spot up from the crowd. Watson was chosen by the Packers with the 34th overall pick. This is the highest pick that the Packers have used to choose a wide receiver in the Aaron Rodgers era. The other notables that they've picked during this time in the second round, they've never picked a wide receiver in the first round with Aaron Rodgers around. But they took Jordy Nelson at 36, they took Randall Cobb at 64, and they took Devontae Adams at 53. So for maybe the last two or three years, at every draft, you're like, why aren't they... Uh, picking wide receivers high in order to help Aaron Rodgers. That's been probably one of the biggest points of frustration for Rodgers himself, culminating with uh, the pick of Jordan Love in the first round. Um, was it last year or the year before where it was just like, are they replacing him? Uh, are they not bothering to give him weapons? Mm -hmm. Who knows? But that's neither here nor there when we talk about Christian Watson. He comes with very high expectations and a very high ceiling for his overall performance. He is by far... Um, the rookie paired with the best, well, s that we've talked about so far anyways, uh, the guy next on the list also has a very good quarterback. But we're talking about a guy with an amazing landing spot here where he can play with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is, uh, you know, one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the league. Unfortunately, though, and this is just new as of a couple days ago, he's on the pup list and he has an unknown injury. They have not released what his injury is. There's probably some rumors out there. I didn't dig into it too much because it wasn't officially released, so I don't need to speculate because I'm not like a beat reporter. But um, if he's limited through training camp and preseason, it's going to put a huge damper on his rookie season possibilities. Rodgers is not usually one who's going to light up a rookie with targets. 
38 receptions is the most any rookie has had with him. I believe it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling had that his rookie year, and Devontae Adams had that his rookie year. However, when you look at the fact that the Packers lost 224 targets from last year with all the wide receivers that have left the team, basically Devontae Adams and, you know, uh, the rest of the crew, someone has to be there to catch the ball. There's no indication that Watson will miss any game time at the moment. They haven't really said what it is, so if it was really major, they may have mentioned that at this point. But what what kind of looked like it was set up for he could work with Rodgers all of camp and really start to develop a rapport with him early because there was no main number one guy there to sort of take all the attention away. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen so much. So I wouldn't count on anything significant until later in the year. Rodgers is going to uh, have Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard right now as his one and two guy. And really what Watson is looking at is having to pass Randall Cobb on the depth chart. And Randall Cobb is a guy who Aaron Rodgers lobbied for to get on his team. So it's going to be hard for him to become a more preferred target than Randall Cobb. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to take for him to see weekly fantasy relevance. In a dynasty league, I think Christian Watson is a very good pick late in the first round. I don't think that he's going to be a great um, pick in uh, redraft leagues. He's currently the WR 57. Um, So I I don't mind that spot if he's your third bench wide receiver, Um, but it's going to have to be someone who you're going to have to be patient with. Like a lot of these guys, if you're going to draft a rookie, and you have the intent to see it through, you need to be patient with him um, and, and not just drop him. Like you may, like we were saying, where we're going to see people dropping Kenneth Walker after four or five, six weeks. Um, if you truly want to uh, get something out of a few of these rookies, you have to stick it out with them. And he may be a guy we're sticking it out. It could work out, but I think that his real value is in Dynasty, and it's going to be the next couple of seasons. Uh, but for now, Christian Watson, uh, a very great talent that's someone to keep your eye on uh, because his ceiling is uh, as high as anyone in this uh, draft class. Yeah, I feel like uh, Aaron Rodgers locks on to one particular guy. Maybe Alan Lazard this season. We'll see. But uh, if he decides that Watson is the guy, you know, and uh, and, and he has chemistry with him, then, then maybe he'll blow up. And uh, Yeah, I just don't see the opportunity for that to be created before the season starts. It's not... It's not very likely that that occurs. It's most likely that it takes a couple of seasons uh, to build that chemistry. And that is historically true with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Um, Sky Moore on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he was uh, selected in the second round, 54th pick overall. So that's the 13th wide receiver off the board. When we get into this territory, we're talking about guys like Christian Watson that, uh, that are certainly great college athletes that may have been – the best thing that their team has had in quite a while as far as a college team. But it doesn't mean that in the NFL that they're going to be standout plays. It doesn't mean that they're going to get along with the chemistry and you know merge with uh, uh, all of the players that exist on that particular squad. Um, with Tyreek Hill hightailing it out of Kansas City for a big contract in Miami, the Chiefs have been gobbling up receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Green Bay Packers that you just talked about. They already rostered McCole Hartman, who was the 56th pick in the 2019 draft. A very similar effort, I think, to try and get another fast outside receiver. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs are going to continue to do that every couple of years to try to keep that guy because that's what 
Patrick Mahomes wants, right? Um, now, Moore put up 94 catches for 1,283 yards and 10 touchdowns last year at Western Michigan. And he would have done even better numbers uh, historically in, in the college, except he was behind the Seahawk receiver that was drafted uh, a couple years ago, um, Dwayne Eskridge, D. Eskridge, on the depth chart. Uh, so an outside receiver with 4-4-1 speed, more is slight of build, uh, 5'10", 195, slighter at least than most of the receivers on that squad. So, I mean, they, they've got uh, Juju, who I mentioned, and they have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Those guys are yeah. like 6'2 and 6'4". Sure. He almost feels more like an Antonio Brown than... Um... No, because he's not a great route runner. Okay. Well, I meant size, size only. Well, Antonio Brown's uh, six foot, isn't he? I thought he was more like five ten. Yeah, um, somewhere between there. Let's let's find out. <laughs> oh, it no longer says when you Google him. Well, <laughs> he is five ten one eighty five. You're not allowed to Google Antonio Brown anymore. <laughs> oh, he just turned thirty four. But regardless, uh, he profiles very similarly to Hardman. Like I mentioned, they drafted Michael Hardman for almost the same thing. That's why they had Tyreek Hill. I mean, you have to remember, a couple of years ago, Tyreek Hill was almost not in the NFL after arguably, you know, engaging in domestic violence, breaking the bones, possibly. We could even say allegedly. Allegedly breaking the bones of his son, you know, like these things occurred or allegedly occurred uh, based on what was going on with him. So the Chiefs were trying to figure out an escape plan already back then. <laughs> yeah. And they're still trying to do that now. They're trying to get that outside guy, get that outside guy, get that outside guy. Um, and it's likely we'll see more, Sky Moore, cannibalize snaps from Hardman because Hardman has not worked out the way that they wanted him to. Uh, Hardman's not a bad receiver, but he's just he's no Tyreek Hill. You know, he hasn't electrically connected um, maybe he needs like a European... Tyreek Hill is a very unique talent. He might need a European adapter. He can catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage or 40 yards down the field with the same ability and, you know, has the same likelihood to score. Almost. Almost. So from a redraft perspective, I think Moore is a dangerous pick that might not pan out at all. I think it's a horrible choice for you to draft in your redraft league, but I, I do like gamblers. I do like gambling. <laughs> and so who can fault the gambler for rolling the dice in hopes of a great return? Well, I can't fault the gambler. He's the WR60. So if you decide at the end of your draft to select Sky Moore, that's great. I think uh, odds are better than not that he doesn't end up putting up enough fantasy points for him to be startable on your team. So his ADP overall is 142. That would put him in the 15th round. Mm -hmm. So, yes. End of draft. End of draft. Yep. If people are taking him beforehand, don't fret. They're reaching. But I, they're going to keep drafting these guys until they can find one that sticks. You know, The Chiefs will, for sure. Uh, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver for Washington Commanders now. It's a, yet another new team name we have to learn. You got this. I got this. I did it right the first time. I'm proud of myself. You like football team. I do like them. When I was first reading about it, I'm like, all right, I'm going to write WFT. And I'm like, no, there's something wrong about that. <laughs> so Dotson was chosen 16th overall by the commanders, and he's been getting heaps of praise so far by the coaching staff, uh, admittedly. But during his OTAs, um, be, part of the reason is that Terry McLaurin held out until the end of June. He signed a new contract June 28th, but before then, he wasn't around in camp, which meant that Dotson had – you know, had the free reign of the facility, just was the guy catching passes from Carson Wentz all day long. 
He got lots of reps with Wentz. That's a good thing because Wentz is new to the team as well. So the landing spot is good for Dotson because he's in line to start opposite McLaurin in week one. Mm -hmm. He was in the top 20 in receiving yards his senior year, the top 20 in uh, college football. He had 91 catches for 1,182 yards, 12 touchdowns. Uh, I believe he went to Penn State, so decent competition. He appears to be the one rookie wide receiver that's poised to sort of step into a fantasy role early in the season. There aren't a lot of these guys who look like they're going to slot in right away, but it seems that uh, on a team where he's being inserted at the top of the depth chart, a team with a new quarterback, and it basically means a new offense for them, uh, he's going to start at the ground floor with the rest of the team. And so he has a good chance at producing right away. Uh, I expect him to have growing pains like anyone, uh, but it's a good spot for him. He's a good candidate for early season success, unlike a lot of these guys that we've talked about so far today. So um, uh, temper your expectations. We have You have him down at 10, uh, and I think that's appropriate. However, um, if you're looking for one of these guys who is going to break out early, uh, then it's going to be Dotson, Mr. Jahan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I, I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, so I looked it up while we were looking. And it, like there's only like audio clips, so I'm not ready to explore those at the moment. But he is currently being drafted as a WR61, 146 overall. So it's still sort of an end of the draft flyer because, let's be honest, uh, the second wide receiver on Washington has never been that appealing. Well, you know, you know that at the end of the season uh, or towards the end of the season um, this year, there's going to be, like I said, maybe two of these guys that were questionable that end up putting up good years. And a breakout performance from a rookie is not a top 10 or a top 15 performance. It's a top 25 performance. So yeah. uh, if, if someone has like 900 yards and, and six touchdowns or something like that and a bunch of receptions, that, that could be a breakout for that. That is player. a breakout. Of, absolutely. So we could we could see them from Dotson or Sky Moore or from Christian Watson or Chris Olave, we could see it from one of those players. Um, the question is, which one is most likely for that to happen to? Yeah. And I guess the answer is the order that we put them in. Because <laughs> why would we put them in any other order? That's right. I think I'm most excited to see Jamison Williams. You just want to root for Jamison? A little bit. We watch the Detroit game with a bottle of Jamison every time he gets a possession. Look, I like to root for a bad team every year. And No, I think, don't root for the Lions. I think that the Lions might be that team this year. Well, they're going to beat Chicago in the NFC North standings this year. Oh, but they, yeah, that's fine. I know it's fine. I'm just saying it doesn't usually happen. You're right. But this They're year, usually basement dwellers. Chicago and Seattle are, you know, arguably the worst teams in the NFL. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh my goodness! Leave room for the Jets, Dave. Well, um, second segment that we have that we have to be a little quicker on, uh, oh, probably, yeah. uh, and that's fine. We can do that. Is top ten overall by ADP. So looking at fantasy pros, half PPR, top ten overall. So this is redraft selections one through 10 and we just want to go through them and say uh are these players ranked accordingly based on their adp obviously not 
Um, some of these players are being overdrafted, and some of them are are below where they should be. Um, what has changed on their teams, and, and what are the reasons why um, they're, they're maybe over or underdrafted? And so let's just start and, and get through this thing. Well, uh, I believe you're you're here to lead us off. Okay, so Jonathan Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> if if you played fantasy football or watched a football game over the past year, then you, <laughs> watched a football game. You know who Jonathan Taylor is because even if the game is not the Colts, they've probably still talked about him. Um, Nineteen point five carries per game in twenty twenty one, over eighteen hundred rushing yards, eighteen total touchdowns. Very hard not to be confident in Taylor being the number one out the door in 2022 redrafts. He is not an exciting <laughs> receiving back. Okay. He he has, you know, caught some passes, but he's not that is not who he is. Um and uh he dominates the time in the backfield and at the goal line and should enjoy a slight step up in quarterback quality with Matt Ryan. Here's the problem with Matt Ryan. Uh either Matt Are Ryan sum this up in like two seconds. Why? I'm just because it feels like you were like, here's the one problem with Matt Ryan. No, there's more than one. Well, <laughs> I mean, the Falcons are not a good team right now. Right. Uh, Matt no, Ryan. Neither had, the Colts. The Colts are a good team. They have a good defense. They have good receivers. They've got a good running back, and they've got a decent quarterback right now. Okay. Like they sh- okay they hypothetically. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I want to hear what you have. They're to say. hypothetically a good team. Okay, I can agree with that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is Matt Ryan is at least hypothetically, a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Absolutely. And he should be able to throw Not the ball hypothetically. To, his, Objectively. to his gigantic pass catchers, all of which are over six foot. I sent something to you the yeah, other day. Yeah, yeah. You were like, I'm he like, has 18 giants catching the here's ball. Here's their three tight ends that are like six four and taller, and all their wide receivers are over six feet. Yeah. Like, And he has Jonathan Taylor. Like, it, This should not be a problem. So the question is, is Matt Ryan really bad? And that's what we were seeing in Atlanta. Or was he just not good after they got rid of all of the pass-catching talent <laughs> that was possible? After Kelvin Ridley started betting on games and Julio Jones was sent to Tennessee. I think that Matt Ryan has like a year or two left to be serviceable, and that's all they need to be a team that's a playoff team. That's what I think. So Naheem Hines... Uh, he sometimes shows up in two-minute drills, etc. Um, but we saw Taylor playing in mid-game third-down situations throughout the season. Again, there is no issue at all here with Jonathan Taylor. There could be statistical regression and touchdowns for Taylor, but nothing about his usage or the 2022 draft picks that the Colts made, none of which were running backs, or other personnel changes would indicate any reason for concern from the outset for Jonathan Taylor. So... As much as I would like to say that there's another guy that's better, he's being overdrafted, etc., I can't say any of that. I think he's the number one consensus pick. Jonathan Taylor led the league in carries, yards, rushing touchdowns, the longest rushing touchdown of the year, yards per game, yards from scrimmage, yeah, total touchdowns. I mean, yeah. So he might not Phenomenal. finish. He might not finish number one, but he deserves the number one ADP no matter what. I traded up to get him in Dynasty, and I'm so happy I did that. I felt so justified. Does that mean it's an ACL year for Jonathan Taylor? Do not <laughs> jinx me, sir. <laughs> On to Austin Eckler, who is number two. He's the running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. Eckler finished as the RB2 last year. He averaged 19.3 points per game, which was actually like 50 points behind Taylor uh, because he 
played one fewer game than him. Uh, but it was only one and a half points per game behind Taylor. Uh, he was 2.6 points per game ahead of the RB3, which was Joe Mixon. Um, so in 2021, Austin Eckler's ADP was 15. This is a pretty large jump from him to go from 15 to 2, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. Yep. He's an early first-round pick, and I believe that's accurately valued. I'm not going to say he's overrated. I'm not going to say he's underrated. I think he's properly rated, let's say. He does not have the usual wear and tear of a bell cow running back. In fact, he's not even exactly a bell cow running back. Last year, he had 276 touches, which was the most in his career, only the second time in his career that he's exceeded 200. He had 240 back in 2019. So he's he averaged 17 and a quarter touches per game last year, pointing to the possibility that he's going to be fresh for this year. He has made some comments about how he's just fine with being limited in touches so that he's still good late in the year. He is um, one of the guys who's more in tune with fantasy football more than most of the regular players, so it's interesting to hear his comments about things like that. So the Chargers drafted Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round. Um, That, to me, doesn't uh, point to any sort of real competition uh, for Austin Eckler's touches. To me, I think this is the year that Eckler could top 300 touches. There's not a whole lot behind him, as I was saying. If he stays healthy, I don't see much of regression coming from Eckler either. His points per touch over the last three years, 1.1 in 2019, 0.81 in 2020, which was the year he got injured, 1.19 last year. If anything, he's a little bit more aware of his fantasy impact. Uh, Now he's, like I said, one of the more vocal players in the league about fantasy football stuff. Not that he's ever going to uh, play his game in order to benefit uh, his fantasy football stats. I would never uh, guess that, but it's sort of interesting how he sees that. And um, uh, like he's, he's just kind of uh, in tune with that. So he's not going to be the kind of guy who's like, Oh, I need all the touches I can get uh, like a Najee Harris or something like that. Um, so what I really like from Eckler is he has a very high production in his points per touch. And it makes him feel like one of the safest early round first early first round picks uh, as long as you can uh, get past injury potential, which we have discussed, um, you know, ad nauseum uh, on this podcast before when we say, like, look, uh, unless you know that someone's going to break their leg or something, you can't draft being afraid of injuries because that shit is almost random in this league. Yeah, and we'll talk about that with the next player, but, I mean, there are some things that are chronic or some <laughs> things that are repeatable, and there's some things that are just people are getting injured because it's a physical game. Yeah, Eckler was healthy all year last year. He was healthy all year in 2019. He can be healthy throughout the season. There are other players that have a history of never completing a full season, um, and even that doesn't mean that you shy away from them in any uh, particularly particular case. But I like Austin Eckler here at um, the second overall pick. Well, we have to be a little more diligent about like saying that these aren't the right picks for the players. Otherwise, it's just going to be pretty boring top ten. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, I, I I think they're top ten for a reason. So like uh, you know, even just shifting one or another in one position is important. And sure, I have moving I've, from the early first round to the late first round is a big move. And I should say that um, uh, that Evans, for example, uh, is is or sorry, uh, Isaiah I'm Spiller. Me, Isaiah Spiller. <laughs> Is 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 someone that uh, is is someone to be aware of because that's the kind of ha- a handcuff that could immediately 
do a lot of damage if Eckler was to go down, which is not something that is unheard of considering he takes so much volume. But if we look at... Uh, well, what I was saying actually is that he doesn't he doesn't have the kind of volume that a Derrick Henry or a Najee Harris or even a Delvin Cook has. He's still a, he's still a bell cow running look, guy. Look, 276 is a lot. It is. And you want to see a guy who is very efficient with the ball get a lot of carries. All I was going to say... It translates to a is, lot of points. Is t- in 2019 or... Uh, 2020. In 2020. You don't even know what I'm going to talk about. I assume you're heading towards injury. No. Okay. In, in 2020, they drafted Joshua Kelly... And he was the backup. And Joshua Kelly uh, never really proved himself. So in 2021, they drafted Larry Roundtree. And Larry Roundtree has still yet to really prove himself. So in 2022, they drafted Isaiah Spiller. So the point is that you're right on with Eckler. I think he has another like one or two years to be an amazing running back for that team. Uh, And based on running back durability in general, that's about it. So... So use him when you got him, but uh, keep the handcuff if you have that guy, um, because I feel like Eckler is that guy that um, that could get injured based on on the way that we see him run, um, you know, on the way that we see him use. He's a small guy. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to fold and be crushed at like any moment, <laughs> but he's great. He's only 5'10", 200 pounds. So Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, running back Carolina. When CMC is healthy, he's one of the best, if not the best, uh, most dominating running backs to ever play in the NFL. And I don't know that this is a fact that can even be uh, argued with. Uh, we look at stats that I'll are, try. Stats that are similar to. Are you you're going to try? I'm, I don't even know what you're going to talk about yet. I just have had a few drinks tonight. Stats, yes. <laughs> stats similar to uh, to our guy Jamal Charles, who was was the only good thing in Kansas City for a little while before they drafted <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Um, you had Jamal Charles, barbecue, <laughs> and nothing else. Regardless of the starting quarterback, regardless of the countless other variables that are out there, or maybe even in spite of them, McCaffrey will continue to make plays and provide immeasurable value because of the volume that he brings in the running and receiving game for the Panthers. Now, he had three straight seasons without missing any games. And he was only injured the last two seasons. And those injuries were not related. Those injuries were like random injuries that we talked about earlier. They, those are things that, um, that many doctors around the league and personalities uh, that talk about fantasy football, uh, etc., have all you know, verified and talked about. And we've had many discussions about this. None of the things that have happened to Christian McCaffrey are chronic or related to any long-term health things. Okay. They, they just have happened to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. He's played 10 games in the last two years. Sure. But that's because of it's injuries. hard to swallow. I know. That I know. are unrelated and not chronic. I know. And so, like we've talked about, there's no reason to do anything. You look at it two ways, really, no, in my opinion. You look at it one way. There is a player who is fantastic whenever he plays, who has a history of playing constantly, who used to be known as the Iron Man, who had just a couple of injuries that have... Uh, uh, taking him off the field. No, that's true. The Panthers are going to be bad. We've already seen that with McCaffrey over yeah, the no years. No matter what he does, they're going to be bad. It right does. Now. It doesn't make any difference though, because they've already been bad. The, it's true. Christian McCaffrey with Kyle Allen as his quarterback scores thirty points a game. Like Christian McCaffrey scores twenty to thirty points a game. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. It doesn't matter what the offensive scheme is. It doesn't matter who the coach is. None of that matters. 
Christian McCaffrey is one of the best players to ever play fantasy football. I mean, he doesn't directly play it. But. He had one of the best seasons <laughs> that I've ever seen. Now, his success is completely independent of the success of the football team. That has already been proven on the Panthers. So the smart move is not to worry about injuries that are not chronic. Drafting Christian McCaffrey at number two or number three overall makes total sense to me. I might even draft Christian McCaffrey number one over Jonathan Taylor, but I am going to put him at two or three. I think that I would put him above Austin Eckler in my rankings, and I'm I'm, I'm looking at those rankings right now, etc. But McCaffrey scores more points per game than Eckler does, period. And, and he has a history where he played for longer and better than Eckler did. And he's only 26 years old. So I see no reason why he should be at three or four or five. I think McCaffrey is the second off the board. I think it's Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. That's my opinion. So you would argue that McCaffrey is slightly underrated. Mm-hmm. Okay. I disagree. I think that um, the combination of the team and, you know, Doesn't two, matter. not completing the last two seasons um, would make me pass on him at that early. Good. Then I get to draft him. That's fine. That's fine. There are other guys later in this draft who I would like to pick uh, earlier, and, and we'll definitely get to them. Um, but, you know, McCaffrey and Eckler have actually played the same amount of time. Um, and clearly when healthy – McCaffrey is the better guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, mean, I can't argue with that. He's the best running back out there at all in existence in the NFL. What's, right what's, what's ridiculous is that his <laughs> best season, where he touched the ball 403 times, 116 of those were receptions, 2,392 yards, 19 touchdowns. Uh huh. Um, those last two stats led the league. He finished third in Offensive Player of the Year voting. That's crazy. Like, that's got to be, you know, that's the number one season. Yep. Um, Next on our list, Derrick Henry. So he was on a blistering pace last season. He averaged 23 points per game, but he went down with a foot injury and he only played eight games during the regular season. He was on a ridiculous pace for carries. He averaged over 27 carries per game during that stretch. So despite only playing eight games, he still finished the season as 10th in the league for rushing attempts. So over the last three seasons, he has 955 touches. He has had at least 215 carries each of the last four seasons. His production in 2019 and 2020 was legendary. And it seems like only the injury in 2021 kept him from really repeating that. He probably would have led the league in rushing again last year, three years in a row, something that hasn't been done since Walter Payton. So this sort of wear and tear on him uh, would normally have me predicting a huge regression for an NFL player. Not injury uh, proneness, if you will, but more like he's just been used too much. However, Derrick Henry is different. He still averaged 4.6 yards per touch last year after nearly 400 touches the year before. And it's very likely that he's going to get a huge volume of touches this year. It seems like Tennessee is content with just giving him everything they can give him and wearing him out and then probably moving on from him in another year or two. So this year, you can count on a huge volume of of touches for Derrick Henry. And there's nobody on the team to challenge him for those carries. So by that metric alone, he's worth a first-round draft pick. It's hard to consider him overrated based on the history, but, you know, if you had to pick between overrated and underrated, I would lean towards overrated for Derrick Henry. Um, 
but everybody knows what he is and what they're getting from him when they draft him. I think of the first, uh, well, other than Austin, other than Jonathan Taylor, of the two, three, four picks, I think that Derrick Henry is probably the most reliable uh, of those three picks. Um, he's going to carry the ball a ton every game. He's going to find the end zone early and often, and he's probably going to regress from a number one, like a first tier running back down to a tier two or tier three back. But honestly, that doesn't scare me away from drafting him in the middle of the first round. Um, so if you're picking at four or five, uh, going with Derrick Henry doesn't bother me at all. I wouldn't reach for him above anyone uh, like an Eckler or a Taylor. McHenry, or I'm sorry, Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey is almost like a coin flip for me. Who do you like between those two? I, I got to assume it's McCaffrey. I will always take the better player because I can't consider well, in injuries unless they're chronic. Derrick Henry is the better player. Disagree. Christian McCaffrey has better stats than Derrick Henry has. He, When he's playing and he's healthy, he is better than Derrick Henry. I disagree. Well, Derrick Henry averages more yards per carry. And he gets more rushing yards. He scores more touchdowns. He does all of the things in fantasy football that you want to see. That it's just not true. Christian McCaffrey's stats are better than Derrick Henry's because he's a better receiving back. Not only does he get all of the, the carries on the ground, but he also gets all of the receptions. Uh, in a PPR league, uh, Christian McCaffrey is the better selection based on his historical stats than Derrick Henry is. So um, just to reiterate, I don't know if you even mentioned it, we talk about half uh, PPR the, you know, is what we base all of our stats on. But you know, Derrick Henry scores way more touchdowns, and touchdowns matter so much more than than receptions. And I just think that despite the fact that Christian McCaffrey catches the ball a lot more, that doesn't make up for all of the yards and touchdowns uh, more that Derrick Henry gets. Yeah, well, I disagree. I think, I think Christian McCaffrey is the best running back that is currently playing football statistically when he has the ball in his hands. You know what's happening right now, right? What's that? We're coming up with a bet. And it's going to be McCaffrey versus Henry. Fine with me. Okay. Uh, Cooper Cup, uh, wide receiver. Ooh, let's let's place this bet. Let's let's hash this out for a second. Well, we don't have all night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll we'll hash it out offline and reiterate it next week or next time. Cup may have had the best season ever for a wide receiver last season, logging 138 receptions, 1,829 receiving yards, and 15 touchdowns. He rejoins the Super Bowl-winning Los Angeles Rams in a position of strength. They have largely kept the same team and added on additional talent in some cases. Now, the signing of Allen Robinson is very interesting. Uh, it happened just before Robert Woods departed for Tennessee. And I can't possibly make the case for Cup to repeat his production, especially since the only other receiver to have had as many accolades over the course of one season is Jerry Rice, the inimitable Jerry Rice. Uh, but he needs to be the best the player ever. He needs to be the first wide receiver off the board, especially in PPR leagues. So since we're talking about a half PPR league, like you just mentioned, and Cup's production should be consistent from 21 to 22, being that the team is largely the same as it was last year. And so they don't have a big reason to change the offensive scheme. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it, I'd be comfortable selecting him above his ADP of number five. So for me... Uh, I would prefer to have, if this was a lineup that I was making, and I am doing rankings, and so I'm, I'm taking all this in consideration to what I will actually rank these players at. Okay. Um, I would probably put Cup at number three 
and I would rank it Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup. And that's what I would do for the top 10 in ADP. Okay. I think Cooper Cup is absolutely standout amazing. And it's really difficult to not draft him again in a PPR league, especially uh, considering that he's had so many receptions and doesn't really seem to have any reason why it would cool down this year. Right. Um, I mean, it's the second year with Matt Stafford. It should only get better. Yeah. Or, or remain the same, like same or better. Same or better. And touchdowns it's, might. It's hard to get better from one of the best running or wide receiver seasons ever. Yeah, triple crown, right? Touchdowns should come down a little bit, probably, but they might not. That always regresses when you have such a big number. Now, I, I have a, sort of a more abstract question than you for you. Um, <clears throat> do you see wide receivers as more reliable than running backs in fantasy football? So, in just in general, in in the top ten of of or top twenty or whatever of a redraft league, we always find that it's more difficult to to get running backs that are um, consistently operating uh, with a high volume because there's a limited amount of them, where there's a larger number of wide receiver ones for teams. But the RB1s on teams that consistently have high volumes are injured at a greater rate than the wide receivers are. Yes. Therefore, uh, depending on how you draft teams and what your algorithm and strategy is, you may want to go for running backs or for wide receivers, also depending on the makeup and structure of your league. But to answer your question, wide receivers that are, are targeted often uh, are more reliable and consistent than... Uh, than running backs only because the running backs are more likely to be injured during the season. That's okay. what I would say. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. So, so I, I like the fact that you put Cup above his ADP right here. Yeah. So, I mean, you can select a, a Dalvin Cook, like who we have next, a Derrick Henry, uh, a Christian McCaffrey. I'd rather not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> whoever. But, but a guy like Cooper Cup uh, or a guy like, uh, you know, by the way, Devontae Adams is not even on this list. He could arguably be on it, but he's in a different situation. Yeah, but isn't he playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Like, the, these guys, um, they, they could all be a little bit more consistent than the running backs. But the running backs, there aren't many of them. And that's the reason why they're so high. Yeah. Like, I think I, I played fantasy so long ago um and a lot of Back the, when you had to draft two running backs well know, well here's the the, of the, this this is a question yeah. for a whole podcast but um but a lot of people still do and i'm thinking about going back to that strategy of taking uh two running backs instead of wide receivers it has the cycle come back around maybe because if you don't have perhaps, those running backs... Perhaps we put a pin in this and return for a longer discussion. If you don't have those running backs, it's impossible to get them again. It's yeah, impossible. true. All right. Uh, speaking of running backs... I, I'm not quite finished. Sorry. Here, but uh, thank you. Uh, so, um, I, I think that the 29-year-old Cup uh, and, and wide receivers usually have performance that falls off the board around like 30, 31. It's after turning 30. Um, I think he still has a year or two in the tank. So... I, I I love him. I think that he deserves um, maybe slightly higher than five. But if you can get him at five, it's great value. All right, go ahead. At number six, we have Dalvin Cook, the running back in Minnesota. Last season, he finished as the RB15. In my opinion, his ADP right now is only because of his potential and not because of his past productions. Um, 
there's certainly a vacuum uh, of new top-tier talent that's replacing the traditional players you see here, uh, like Cook, like Henry and McCaffrey and stuff. So perhaps it's become a bit stale. Um, you only really have Jonathan Taylor as like a new face on the list uh, going that high, even though he did go high last year. Anyways, um, Cook does not have a season in his five years where he played every game. Last season, his touchdowns, touches, and total yardage all regressed from the previous two seasons when he was considered to be a tier one or two running back. The Vikings do have some of the best talent in the league uh, at wide receiver and a, a really solid running or quarterback, um, but they haven't been able to put it together. So they changed the coaching staff uh, this past season. Kevin O'Connell is their new coach. He was the OC for the Rams over the last two years. Perhaps we will see a large step forward for the Vikings because of that. Um, but I believe that if that happens, it's going to come more for the passing game rather than the ground game because that's what we've seen really succeed for the Rams. So um, Cook is overvalued, in my opinion, here at six. He's more of a late first round to early second round pick. I would rather uh, have a known workhorse like Najee Harris or Joe Mixon in this spot rather than Cook at the sort of uh, middle of the first round. Cook is used almost as much as Derrick Henry. Cook has 942 touches in the last three years. Derrick Henry only had a few more than that. So if you think about a guy like Derrick Henry as being the most used in the league, Delvin Cook is actually right behind him. Um, and he is not the sort of uh, specimen that, Cook, that, um, that Derrick Henry is. So objectively speaking, he is not as durable. He has missed more games than Derrick Henry. Alexander Madison is a guy who's right behind Cook on the depth chart. He is perhaps the most popular player to pick up on the waiver wire whenever Delvin Cook goes out. Um, people will just hold on to him because they know it's inevitable that Delvin Cook is going to miss a game or two and that he will be a very good replacement that week. So you can't really count on Delvin Cook in a spot like this, in my opinion, to draft him this high. Uh, when you know that he is likely to miss a couple of games, when you know that there is a guy behind him who is very good, um, and when you know that he is on a team that has not lived up to their potential. Yeah, so I, I tend to agree with you um, mostly, except I don't like using terms like durable. I don't think they really apply because these players get injured for so many different reasons, and I don't think it's actually uh, possible to process all of those into one thing, saying that, like, this guy is injury prone. I think that that terminology is just ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, I never said that. I said that he's a history of not playing all the games in the season. You said he's objectively not as durable. As Derrick Henry. Well, Derrick Henry only played 10 games last season. Yes, but over the last, I don't know, <laughs> however many seasons both of these guys have played, I just don't like, Henry plays more games. I just don't like playing that game is all I'm saying. Well, so. okay. I, I, was, I was comparing a very specific situation where you look at – Cook's usage and you look at Henry's usage and it's almost the same over the last three years yet one of them like clearly can stay on the field more than the other that's a roll of the dice though it's so I don't I don't agree with that however I I do love that you brought up the fact about the coaching changes um you know the gentleman from the Rams the next player I have to talk about is Justin Jefferson who's yeah. a wide receiver from Minnesota now he finished the 2021 season with 108 receptions for 16, 16 receiving yards nice. and 10, like 10 touchdowns and averaging over 95 yards per game. And he produced seven 100-plus yard performances last year, including a stretch where he recorded 577 receiving yards just between the weeks of 10 and 13, uh, which is a great time for fantasy players. 
<laughs> considering it's bye weeks. Yeah, so, good call. Thank you, JJ. Good call. Uh, now, the thing about Justin Jefferson really is that Adam Thielen is is trending out, and and everybody loves Adam Thielen, and I totally get it. But he's an old guy now. He's scrappy, Dave. He's an old guy now. We have to look at the same thing that happened, like West Code for White, Wes Welker, etc. <laughs> the old white guys, you know, like they're they're like a Jordy Nelson. So anyway, uh, Justin Jefferson, he said. Uh, the, he plans on being the first ever 2,000 yard receiver, and I believe him. And I think that he plans on it, or that he will make it. Both things. All right. So I think that Kirk Cousins is is not. What, a, they, what did they say up there? Skull. Yeah, uh, we we were up there. Uh, my fiance and I were up uh, at the Viking Stadium, and yeah. it, it was a fun. It was a fun. Uh, it looks like an amazing stadium. You know, they played the Steelers and they beat them, which I wasn't happy about. Look. As a White Sox fan, I hated the old stadium with a passion. I'm really happy that there is somewhere that that place is no more. Yeah, well, the the Viking Stadium is cool. It, it really is. They have yeah. this giant thing that they bang, and it's it's cool. But uh, Dalvin Cook was a beast out there, I have to say. And Justin Jefferson, uh, if it if it wasn't for Cooper Cup, I would say that Justin Jefferson would be the clear number one in Dynasty. I think he's the clear number one receiver. I concur. Uh, in in redraft, I think he's maybe the the two or three, but I'm happy with where he is in our rankings at number seven. Uh, if if you're saying Delvin Cook belongs in the second round, well, heck, maybe Justin Jefferson could be number six. Sure, I would <laughs> totally buy that, and yeah. I agree with you when we talked about wide receivers are especially at the top are a bit more reliable than running backs. Yeah, it's it's much more likely that Justin Jefferson will finish the season than any of the running backs we've already talked about. I concur. So, a uh, guy who I'm sure you love to hear about, Najee Harris of the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, he's he was, he's been great. In his rookie year, he lived up to the hype that he had. He finished as the RB4 for the season. You said earlier that it'd be impressive if any of the rookies uh, finished in the top 10 or 15. This guy finished top 4. Mostly, Very good. Mostly because like it was like running for Because he had 381 <laughs> touches last season. But he's a rookie. Don't worry about that yet. Yeah. He had yeah. 74 receptions, 307 carries. He's well-versed in all the parts of the Steelers' offense. And this was from the very first game. So he did well. Um, he did very well, really, with a geriatric quarterback that probably held the team back. So, unfortunately for the Steelers, they didn't do a ton to improve the quarterback situation. However, the free agent market and the draft market was not very good this year. They did pick a, a rookie quarterback. They were the first team to pick a quarterback, right? I don't agree with your assessment, but please go on. That the market was bad? No, that I think they did a great job with quarterbacks. Okay, but I still think the market was bad. Sure. Yeah, they did the best with what they had to work with. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mitch Trubisky will have to do, I guess is what we're going with. What sort of uh, Steelers-themed sweater will he be able to wear in November? Oh, he's a fun guy. He really is. Is he going to have like a uh, – what's the place that puts uh, fries on the sandwich? Is that a famous place in Pittsburgh? Yeah, it's Promonte Brothers. Okay. It's a sandwich place that puts the fries on the sandwiches, yeah. Great. He's going to have like a sweater themed with fries on a sandwich? I think he will. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. I mean, like S- just something. go full meatball, buddy. Something like he's that. He's good at that. He absolutely is. Yeah. So I do not expect Harris to regress in terms of usage or production as a result of Trubisky being under center. Um, so don't worry about the fact that they have Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. He's fine. He'll be fine. 
Uh, he may not start every game this year, but Najee Harris will be fine because it's not like Ben Roethlisberger was uh, outstanding in any aspect of last year. So I expect Najee Harris to actually progress, and, and what I mean is do better than some of his stats this uh, from last year. Mm-hmm. His yards per touch were only 4.4. His touchdowns, he only scored 10. I expect him to do a little bit better this year. Most star players who have a big jump show it from year one to year two. He is really talented. He is going to be a star player in this league. He is going to be the kind of guy who is able to show a jump this year. So I think he's underrated at his current ADP spot of eight. I think that he should be going early to middle first round. I'm talking four, five, six. He's a talent who's going to make the jump to a tier one running back this year. Um, he just needs the team to kind of get a little bit better around him. Uh, he's young enough that last year's workload is not going to affect him negatively. There's nobody else in the Steelers backfield who's going to challenge him. Um, he's only going to come off the field to catch his breath. That's it. He's going to see 380 to 400 touches again this year and probably the year after. And then he's going to be completely used up. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like I like that you think that this is going to happen with Harris. I think that the that the the offensive scheme that Matt Canada is going to run with um, whoever the quarterback ends up being over the majority of the season, whether that's Pickett or Trubisky, uh, is going to be different than it was last year. And I, I don't know that it will um, have as many short passes to the running back. Um, however, uh, I I appreciate that that you think that about Harris, and I do agree. Most of all, uh, historically with the Steelers, which everyone seems to forget all the time for no reason, is that they don't have two running backs. They never do. It's just Harris. So perhaps just, just Harris. Perhaps the Steelers' scheme <laughs> may not call for a lot of short passes to the running back, but. Mitch Trubisky has shown that he is well-versed in that. In the best year that he had on the Bears, he threw 76 uh, – Tariq Cohen had 76 catches. And um, – oh, I'm drawing a blank on the other running back. The main running back that year also had a, a good number, like 30-something. Is it a new running back or an old one? No. Uh, David Montgomery? Dave, no, no. The guy before David Montgomery. Matt um, Forte? No. There was, there was one guy between them. Nope. Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to Google it. Um, but I see what you're saying. I mean, Trubisky, if he's the quarterback, might be throwing a lot of passes to Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, and Najee Harris. It's going to be a lot to Najee Harris. Uh, so it was Jordan Howard. Uh, yes, okay. Jordan Howard caught 20 receptions that year, but uh, Tariq Cohen caught 71. So it's not like he's uh, not well-versed in dumping it off to the running back. Gotcha. Moving on. Uh, Jamar Chase, wide receiver, Cincinnati. So talking about Traylon Burks earlier, that brings back memories of Chase last year in the preseason, mostly because of all the quotes and all the media saying he's dropping all the passes, he has horrible hands, yeah. he can't catch yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, said all the reports from training camp, etc. There's yada, no stripes yada, yada. on the ball. How is he going to catch it? <laughs> With his hands is the answer. So this always happens. And and sometimes uh, there is there is actual valid- validity to those discussions, and sometimes there isn't. Uh, clearly not the case last year as he finished fourth in yards with 1,455, third in touchdowns with 13, and second in yards per reception with 18. Now remember that he's not the lone talented guy in the wide receiver squad for the Bengals. That includes Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, who combined for over 1,900 receiving yards themselves. Wow. 
And I have I did to, not expect a number that high. Yeah, they're also very good. They are. And so here's what I think. Um, I think many wide receivers have a jump from year one to year two. I think Jamar Chase becomes more of a team player because he has to. And all the defensive squads out there are able to guard him a little more because they have the tape on him. Uh, and these players tend to only have a certain amount of moves, especially if they're rookies. So uh, I don't think Jamar Chase is Justin Jefferson. I think he'll show regression and that he should be drafted in the top end of the second round. Much like Delvin Cook, I think that uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are going to have more. Joe Mixon's going to have more. The tight end will have more. And I think Jamar Chase will have less breakaway giant touchdowns that we saw last year yeah. because defenses will scheme against that. I, I I see where you're coming from there. I really think that on a team where the receivers go three deep, he doesn't need to be that guy. If he can draw a lot of attention away to make the rest of the team better, this is the time for that to happen because yeah. this is going to be the season that the Bengals are really going for it. They made it to the Super Bowl perhaps a year before their window. Yeah, they weren't dictated. quite ready for this Super Bowl. Yeah. So, <laughs> so our number ten, the number ten ADP guy is Joe Mixon, the running back for Cincinnati. Uh, last year was the best season of Mixon's career. He finished the season as the RB three. Um, and what was interesting when I was looking at his season stats is that he looked like both a, a very even scorer, where he had nine weeks with at least one touchdown, and a feast or famine guy because he had five weeks with below 10 points. Um, and that was 16 regular season games. He set out week number 17, which would be week number game number 17, week number 18, which is not relevant for fantasy anyways. Um, as long as you have a league with a sane commissioner. Um, so anyways, Mixon reminds me of the kind of guy, uh, the same kind of player as, uh, Derrick Henry or Delvin cook, both of whom have played five or six years. Like Mixon, Mixon has way less, uh, wear and tear on him compared to those other two guys however you know 787 touches over the last three seasons can be in part you know credited to having an injury um not last year but the year before uh where he didn't play all year long so that set him up for a career high in 2021 for touches yards and touchdowns so Mixon is unlikely to set new career highs for a second year in a row but like we've said with other guys in this position, it's not necessarily a regression if you can't match your career highs again. But if you can play very well again and wind up being a top five running back, then he's certainly worth drafting at the end of the first round. So um, I think that an, an ADP of 10 is underrating Joe Mixon. So he's running to, returning to a Bengals team. They made the Super Bowl. Uh, they're returning all of their stars. You just went through the laundry list of the stars. Um, I don't see his role in the offense changing because they didn't replace him. Uh, not replace him, but like they haven't acquired anybody at the running back position. Yeah, so so they he's have, going to take carries from him. So they have Chris Evans uh, and Samaje P. Ryan. And Captain America has nothing on Joe Mixon. They're just going to be backups. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Joe Mixon's already a super There's soldier. nobody knocking on the door. Yeah. Right, right, right. He's got the serum. He's fine. So... A back that is likely to see 300-plus touches in a top-five offense should be drafted in the middle of the first round at the latest, in my opinion. So these last two guys that I have talked about, Najee Harris and Joe Mixon, I believe should be drafted above Delvin Cook, who has an ADP of six. A reminder, the the second group of players we're talking about at ADP, that is the ADP based on the fantasy pros 
uh, sort of conglomeration, which is four different sources of where people are drafting players, mm. which is like Yahoo and ESPN and probably Fantasy Calculator and some other large site that I'm drawing a blank on right now. But that's just a, a an amalgamation of Sleeper. data. Yeah. Okay. And it's not anyone's specific rankings. Um, but this is where gonna, players are being picked. It's going to be hard for us. And to, I think people are overvaluing Delvin Cook and undervaluing Harrison. Didn't I like it. how you want all the players to be in the middle because I don't know what happens to the rest of the top ten if you were to make a list. If I were to reorder this top ten, <laughs> I like where you put Taylor, but I would keep Eckler at two and McCaffrey at three. I would move Cup up to four. I would have Henry at five, uh, Harris at six, Mixon at seven. So yeah, maybe Mixon not quite the middle of the round, but I like. I was hesitant on McCaffrey. Like I, I think I just don't draft McCaffrey. I think I'd have Harris slightly lower and Jefferson slightly higher. I'm sure we could come to some kind of a compromise. Yeah. Uh, but but point is, I just uh, think I don't draft McCaffrey and live with that. Well, well, everyone should have guys that they are in or not in on. That's totally fine. Yes, and, and you should. Uh, you're going to be mad about it later, depending on you know Sometimes, how those for sure. players Sometimes, do. Sometimes, for sure. Uh, but I understand more than anyone else. Uh, certainly, uh, as far as Christian McCaffrey is concerned, like you know, if he hasn't done well for two years, uh, that's like uh, the roulette table landing on red and then red and then betting red. Like you know, it's like don't look at the numbers that have hit in the last ten times on the roulette table. But here's the thing: it doesn't mean anything. Just like the injuries, it doesn't mean anything. Right. <laughs> Anyway, oh, it was it was very good stuff today, and uh, I, agree, I hope that we all learned a this lot. This was fun. Um, the point is, when you're looking at ADP, when you're looking at those players that come up that you're supposed to select, well, uh, maybe you should make your own decisions, and and think about the things that we had to say about those players. Do your own research. Is that what you're telling I'm everyone? Not, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that. No. Oh, I did the research. You did a lot of research. You did your own research. I did some research as well. So uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us this week. Uh, Stay tuned to our uh, Twitter and our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that. And check us out the next time that we are on the air. We will be on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. No solid date for our next show, but it will be soon. Uh, It will be during the preseason, and we will uh, discuss fantasy football. All right. Thanks, folks. Thanks. Good night.